Welcome to the Mexpreneurs Podcast, the podcast about the stories of Mexican tech startup founders who are building world-class, fast-growing companies and having a positive impact at a large scale. My name is Sergio Chavez. I'm a Mexican based in Germany, a tech startup founder, executive, and mentor, and your host. Today, we have Alan Ramos with us. Alan is the founder and CEO of LibreFoods, a biotech startup from Barcelona, Spain, which is reinventing meat with fungi. Libre was founded in 2021, has raised over 3 million euros in venture capital and launched the first fungi-based bacon in the European Union. Alan is a solo founder. I personally find this fascinating, especially considering that Libre is a biotech startup and that Alan does not have a technical background. This is not the typical setup you would expect at a biotech startup. Nevertheless, Alan's determination and his unwavering commitment towards Libre's mission led him not only to overcome these constraints, but also build a great team from the beginning, cope with the ups and downs of every fast-growing startup, and achieve major milestones during the last three years. I hope you enjoy. Support for this episode comes from Partnership Leaders, the leading community of partnership professionals and executives in SaaS and tech with over 1,500 members globally. If you're a tech startup founder, you know that partnerships are essential for the success of your business. PL is the place to connect with decision makers in strategic, tech, and channel partnerships at leading SaaS and tech companies like HubSpot, Salesforce, Google, and AWS. PL is also a thought leader, creating incredible content on how you can leverage partnerships to take your tech startup to the next level. I'm a member of PL and have seen firsthand the richness and value of this incredible community. Visit partnershipleaders.com to learn more and to apply to become a member. Make sure to mention in your application that Mexpreneurs referred you so that you can receive a special price if your application is accepted. Hello, Alan. Welcome back. Hi, Sergio. Happy to be back. Alan, please tell us, what is LibreFoods? Libre is a Barcelona-based biotech, and we're using fungi and biomass fermentation to reinvent meat. We were founded in 2021, have raised a little over $3 million in venture capital. We're about 14 people full-time on the team now. I think some of the most interesting developments that we've had on our end, uh, we've uh, we've launched the first fungi-based bacon in the EU already in, at the end of 2022. And what we're trying to bring onto the market are uh, fungi-based solutions that are able to outperform uh, animal-based offerings, both in functionality, in, in experience, and on price more than anything. And when you mentioned outperform, I found it very fascinating what you were just mentioning, uh, me not being in the food industry, but when you mentioned about functional outperforming other alternatives in terms of functionality, experience, what exactly do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I think that from our end, we've learned that the food industry is super, super vast. I think the the focus that we've had up until now, and at least in the alternative protein space, is you know how do we make vegan products, which I think is super important. But I think now that what we've seen is that like food is a lot more complex. Uh, meat, in our case, is a lot more complex than just a slab of meat, right? Uh, meat, in the end. Is a combination of protein, fats, water, and, and traceable uh, minerals. So I think that what we've been doing is really dissecting what we mean by meat, uh, looking at all the different components that go into animal products, 
and then seeing how we can use fungi to replace those same uh, components, uh, using it, doing so in a more efficient, sustainable, and uh, frankly, compassionate way as well. In our line of work, we've chosen fungi because uh, the fungi kingdom is is incredibly diverse. We're talking about thousands and thousands of different strains of fungi, many of them which haven't even been discovered. So I think for us, it's very interesting to be in this line of work. And we feel that we've chosen the best ally in fungi to be able to deliver on this promise. And the expectation from an experience perspective, I'm, I'm thinking as a consumer of meat, is the expectation for me, let's say when I eat a fungi steak, to have the same experience as when I eat a beef steak? Or are you guys building it with a slightly different twist? We always get that question. And and again, I think that as as we were mentioning earlier, right, in terms of you know, what, um, how do we align what we perceive the planet to need, right? Uh, I think that we find ourselves in a very inefficient food system, needing to make that more efficient, make that more sustainable. But how do we combine that with what people want? I think that we always come across the question on, on why replicate something kind of a bit outdated and, and maybe even bad for the planet and bad for personal health, rather than inventing something completely new. But the thing is that we're obsessed with meat, right? Like we, as humanity, we're in love with meat. You know, I've been vegan for about six years now and I love meat too, right? So uh, I just didn't, I, I didn't stop eating meat because I didn't like it, right? I stopped eating meat for a wide range of other reasons. So for us, we do see that the objective is to be able to replicate that same experience in texture, in taste, But more so now, we're very much focused on how do we deliver on nutrition. We're not just making food for the sake of making food, but how do we actually nourish a, a population? And I think that the thing about our sector compared to many others is that food always needs to be accessible, right? It's not that we can just take a stance like in other industries that, you know, things are tight, you know, you just raise prices and, and people automatically will accept For us, I think that that's why food is the single most difficult industry to work in because the bar is so high, right? Food is not logical. Food is 100% emotional. So you have to deliver on experience. You have to deliver on, on price, making it accessible. And as food producers, right, I think that we have the responsibility that we should be feeding people in, in the proper way. So that trifecta of components together is uh, what keeps me up at night. <laughs> So you have a big challenge if it's like providing that functionality, that experience. But I love what you mentioned about that accessible, because I realized that a lot of products that are in the market, I was actually just listening today, uh, let's say weight loss products, no? which there are some incredible weight loss products right now in the market, but still they're very niche for rich people. And unfortunately, they're not accessible to every single individual. So uh, I think the fact of creating a something that is nutrition, that tastes great, that offers a great experience at an accessible price point so that it's available for consumers overall, I think it's a, it sounds like a great mission that you guys have ahead. But let's say, how would you summarize the North Star of Libre? Is it about creating these alternative foods? Is it creating, reducing the meat consumption? How would you summarize the mission, the vision of uh, Libre? 
You're totally right. We have a lot of work cut out for us in terms of what we want to do. But from day one, I mean, we've seen tremendous promise in what fungi can offer for the food industry, both in, in alternative proteins and the general food industry and as a whole. So I think for us from day one, it's how can we leverage this incredible organism to be able to really solve a lot of these gaps that we're finding, right? And I think it's very important to break things up from this experience nutrition price because each aspect of this requires a separate focus, right? And I think that the challenge is getting them to work together. I think for us, that results in doing a lot of work in terms of even just finding the strains of fungi that we want to work with in terms of how they're going to perform uh, once we have that selection, how we're going to optimize their growth so that we're staying in line with the strongest efficiency that will turn into a cost-effective price for the end consumer while at the same time upholding the other components. So I think for us, it's really how do we fix a broken food system, being able to use the immense potential from fungi. And I think that when it comes to animal-based properties and animal animal-based solutions, Fungi as a kingdom are way closer to animals genetically than they are to plants, where plants find some sort of ceiling. That's just where we're getting started uh, within the fungi kingdom. It's fascinating, everything that you're mentioning. So you made already great progress. So what you were sharing in terms of the investment that you guys have received, the how big the team is. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, also last year, you also you guys also received a, a grant. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Our journey has evolved a lot since we got started. And a lot of it is, is I think, where our industry is heading. As I like to mention, I think oftentimes we forget that our industry is very, very young. We're only about 10 years old. And I think what's really fascinating about what we've done is that I think people forget that before we got started, like none of this existed. And we started from a point of how can we make a hamburger, a beef hamburger out of plants, right? That was challenge number one. And I think that we, you know, once we were able to deliver on that, we realized, okay, we're able to do it. Right. When people never imagined this to be happen, to be able to happen, then it became, OK, well, how much does it cost and what's in it? And is it good for you? And all these different things. So in that way, the industry kind of takes off. Right. And, and things start happening. But we built this. And when I say we, I hope the pioneers and the true pioneers in this space helped me kind of bandwagon here. But I mean, we built this industry from scratch and we decided to call it food tech. We called it food tech because we were creating, we were inventing products, ingredients, solutions that before didn't exist before we came onto the scene. So I think now once those solutions were created, it was like, okay, well, what are you going to do with them? You have to sell them. We've had to grow as an industry from everything from making a product to marketing it, to selling it, to distributing it. And the food industry is super, super tough. It's very complex. So I think a lot of our growth and a lot of our evolution has also kind of focused to look within and, and understand what we do best, right? And I think that being someone that's mission-driven and wanting to have as much impact as possible, you want to do it all, right? You understand that that there's a lot of potential on the technology side of things that, that you want to bring new solutions to market. You want to make the best products as well and then, you know, have them on the shelf with your brand. And it's such a rewarding moment to see all your work manifest itself on the market. 
But at the end of the day, you have to recognize where it is that you're strongest, where you add the most value, because that value chain is so long. Everything from, I mean, if we think about like everything from selecting strains, you're in a lab, you're testing which fungi is going to perform better. It's a very long way before that turns into a bioprocess, and then that turns into a product, and that turns into um, it being manufactured and shipped and marketed and get to the final shelf. That's a super long line across the value chain. And I think at first we were very bullish on seeing that whole process through. And I'm still a huge fan of both sides of the business, both R&D and commercial But at one point, I think you do have to refine that focus. And where we've really come to understand our value and what we bring to the space is the fact that we're very strong in in that upstream development. Everything from strain identification to be able to optimization of the growth parameters for the fungi that we select, and then finally in product development. So now the shift that we're taking is how we can work together and collaborate with companies that are a bit more established in the space that have more recognizable brands and messaging. And then how do we work together with them to amplify our impact as much as possible, right? I think that we've, we've shown a lot of strength in our innovation capabilities. What we do now is we focus on, on what we do best, which is that discovery and that development. And uh, this grant that we just got will allow for that to be fast-tracked, right? We're also taking advantage of this new AI way that's coming in to be able to to do our work faster, right? To be able to screen strains a bit more quickly. And that's by training on machine learning to be able to interpret these results that we get in the lab a lot faster and be able to just move more quickly when it comes to our research and development. There are so many topics in which we could dive on that R&D aspect and what's the secret sauce behind. And then now that you mentioned about AI, there's so many things that I would love to ask you about AI. But just being conscious of time, I also would love to talk about the setup of the company. So you are a solo founder. Why a solo founder? I think once you start building, I mean, I think you start realizing the complexities of just structuring the company. And I think that some of the earliest bits that I would always share with the team, it's, you know, when we first got started, we were, we were one, then we were three, then we were five and seven and 10. As we were growing, you know, there's a point where things break, right? Like there's a point where whatever processes work for you at one stage, don't transfer to the next stage. And you know, when you're five and then you go to eight, you don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're 12, you know, a few weeks later and you're like, shit, this no longer works. And I think that sometimes might, you know, get some people that might rattle some people or you might get in your head about something. But what I would try to tell the team, it's like, team, we're not just developing a technology here. We're not just making new products, right? We're building every single thing from scratch. Like anything that was that is here now wasn't here before. And that includes how we structure ourselves, how we communicate, how we work together. Like everything is, is a challenge and an opportunity, right? Because it's like there's nothing there, but there's an opportunity to create something kind of on your own terms. I think on the solo founding side of things, it was never truly the idea, especially building a biotech company as a non-technical founder. You would want to bring on some technical expertise as quickly as possible. But I think we come back 
to this really relentless commitment to see this through because it's um, a lot of times, you know, there's a lot of search for the right partner. And I think as I've been doing this a bit longer now, you realize that there is really crunch time moments where that synchronization needs to be spot on with whoever it is you're on this journey with because there's going to be times where things are tough. And if you're not aligned in terms of why you want to do what you're doing and what you're in it for, it's very easy for that to break. You know, the first year solo founding, it was very difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel because there's a lot of things going on. I think that at the time it was not a pleasant experience at all. Looking back, it's going to be one that I treasure most, that whole first year of building but I think that that journey on your own, I think, uh, really forces you to, to really think about what company you want to build, right? And then what values are most important to the company, how those values will, will transfer over into the company culture. And I think that it's allowed for a lot more focus. And then now in our, in our most recent stages, I think it's been easier to onboard the rest of the team in terms of who we are and who we're not. Even though it's very painful at the beginning, I think that it worked out for us now that we're a little bit older as a company. But yeah, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> and I think you mentioned many great golden nuggets. And, and something that I just thought about is, I, I think this idea of having a group of co-founders out of the, like even two, three, whatever the number is, it has become somehow romanticized and becomes some sort of like the mantra for building startups. But as you mentioned, it requires a significant degree of coordination, collaboration, going through the ups and downs. And it's not for the faint of heart. And I think that's also the reason why in general, many, let's say, especially investors look into co-founding teams or founding teams, because it's tough and going through it on your own can be extremely difficult for many individuals. But the fact that, let's say, you've been able to push through and get to where you are, I think it's all a remarkable achievement in general. And the fact that you've now built this team around you that is complementing you and supporting you along the journey, I think it's an incredible example to challenge that sort of like general mantra and, and general thinking that I think is um, present in the startup ecosystem. But now I would love to learn more about your leadership team because indeed you're a sole founder that allows you to go full speed. Of course, uh, you've endured this difficult journey, but now it's 14 of you. And I would assume you build a leadership team with different complementary skills. So how that leadership team looks like? I'm well aware of everything that you mentioned. I mean, I used to work at an accelerator as well. And when we'd see an application to the program with a solo founder, it was a red flag, right? Or it was not a red flag, but it was something that we were very mindful of, right? Like, how are you going to shoulder all this responsibility? So I'm very grateful that I was able to start, you know, building a team pretty quite early and that it was people that were very committed from day one. Even today, even though I'm a, I'm still a solo founder, that by no means that I'm the only one making decisions or, or calling the shots. I think that I would not be able to do any of, of what we've done up until now had it not been by the team that we've been putting together and especially this leadership team, right? You know, again, our leadership team had many faces at different times. Happy to share a little bit more about the current leadership team that we have. But um, for us, it's a lot of how we can combine what is seemingly two very different focuses, which is uh, both the R&D and the commercial, and how we bring it together under, under an umbrella that aligns with the company's strategy and mission and then the way that we work and you know our, how many people on the team and resources and et cetera. So 
that part of it is always interesting to come together. But um, I think that um, at the earliest stages, I started working uh, very closely with one of our colleagues who started off in the marketing department and then made it very quickly to the cross-functional team, stepping out of the marketing department and and really looking at the whole organization uh, entirely, helping streamline a lot of our processes, really just creating the spaces for us to work more efficiently, right? She's a fellow Mexican, so that part of it has been very nice to work with. And basically, she's like our our general, right? She's our general on the floor. Uh, she organizes the team and gets everybody working together, uh, which is super, super helpful. So I started first working very closely with her at the beginning of this year to really optimize and streamline our operations. But at the same time, we've been supporting ourselves from pretty much since day one from our head of product, who is just phenomenal. She's brilliant and she's been able to, I mean, she has a science background, uh, but at the same time, just flawless, flawless organization and people skills to really get teams together and, and rally them together. So she represents a lot of the sciences uh, side of what we do, uh, understands everything across product development and manufacturing, but also from her background is able to get on the biology side of things. So that part of it is super helpful. And then lastly, we've been able to really count on just um, accelerated growth and development from um our teammate that represents kind of the entire commercial bid who first started on the finance side of things, started dipping toes in, in operations, and now is looking at growth as always wearing many, many hats all at once. But uh, I think us four together, we're the ones that are trying to bring all these departments together, uh, keeping the focus seeing how everything connects with each other and uh, making sure that we're setting us up for financial health and company success. You have all bases covered from the makers, the sellers, uh, or the commercial aspect, the product R&D operations. I think it looked like a great setup, the one that you guys have. And now looking forward into the next 12 months. So we're just starting 2024. What are the next big milestones for Libre in the following year? I mean, I think scale for us is is really key. Uh, I think that we're very much focused on on how we can get our our products and our technology to the next level. And you know, we have multiple streams going on at, at once. So just to break that up a little bit more. So I think for us, we launched our first product mainly to validate that there was even a demand for these kinds of products on the market, specifically very clean, short ingredients, nutritious products that that went beyond just taste and texture, but really deliver on the other aspects that we've touched on previously. So that product has, which is our bacon product, has been able to gather a lot, a lot of positive feedback from the market. We've mainly focused on the food service sector in Spain. We're almost at a 100 points of sale across the country, but we're now focused on how we can scale that model from door-to-door food service to really mass scale retail. For that, we're leveraging these partnerships that I mentioned previously, uh, working with FMCG companies or consumer packaged good companies that have already a much wider funnel of both sales and distribution. So we'll be kickstarting a few partnerships uh, in the next few months that we're very excited about, hopefully reaching outside of Spain uh, as well and mainly throughout the European continent. So we're very happy about that. And then our second stream of technology is where we're growing 
not the fungi themselves or the fruiting bodies, as maybe most people know, but we're growing the root structure of the fungi called mycelium, which is a fantastic ingredient to be able to replicate fibrosity in meat. We've been able to do a lot of really important work in the lab over the past year, really understanding uh, how to optimize for growth, how to optimize for, for characteristics in this ingredient while at the same time staying within the regulatory framework. Food is, when it comes to regulation, its safety is of utmost concern. So we've been working very much within that framework to make sure that we're staying compliant. And then finally, right, we're very excited about kicking off this uh, discovery platform that will not only allow us to optimize our processes uh, once we have these strains selected, right, once we know what fungi we want to work with, how we can grow the fungi best, but it will help us identify new strains for new applications in the food industry. And by really properly building out a platform of of discovery and optimization, then pretty much at that point, the sky is the limit in terms of what we can identify and what we can bring to market. So our work, a year of a lot of work, frankly, is still in a tough macroeconomic environment. I think that we know how important this work is. So the commitment just goes right hand in hand with that urgency. So it's three main things, if I understood correctly. No? So taking the bacon product that you already have right in the market, and going all the way into expanding the sales, expanding the reach, then the second stream in, in terms of R&D, and then this platform that you're building, which if I understand correctly, is basically going to be the one that is ultimately going to create more research projects, more findings, more products, and that, that is going to be sort of like the flywheel of the business moving forward. Exactly. And I assume that, of course, when it comes to customers, of course, the bacon product is also something that is ready to scale. But also in terms of in terms of investors, in terms of partners, like what are the type of organizations that you're looking for as well to join the mission of Libre? So, I mean, always looking for partners, always looking for commercial opportunities. So on that side of things, you know, we're open for business, for food manufacturers that are interested in diversifying their offerings. But at the same time, we've made a lot of great strides in terms of already starting bringing revenue into the company at a time where things are difficult, things are tight. Uh, despite having such a, a big R&D focus, we understand that success lies in, in the commercialization of that research. So I think that we've done a, a really good job there. But I think for us to be able to, to go as, as fast as, as we can go, I think we're still very open to investment opportunities. We're currently raising a round at now. Any investors that might be interested, uh, happy to discuss further. And then lastly, specifically working with biotech, everything across the scale up and manufacturing side of things is, is always appreciated. And I think something that I think it's important to highlight, which I think uh, is a big win, which is the revenue aspect. No, I think it's important when talking about biotech or deep tech in general, like these are not like in software. No, like I come from the software world and you're expecting companies to ship products and start monetizing in a relatively short time frame. These endeavors in deep tech just take time. No? And, and I think the fact that despite that challenge, you guys already have a product that is out there with the bacon that you created, that you're already commercial and using it to generate revenue for the company. I think that's a great achievement. And I just wanted to highlight that because I think it's something important for the audience also to keep in mind that that's already a big thing in terms of what you guys have achieved already. Thank you, Sergio.
So, Alan, of course, we can talk about many more things, but I would love just to get your final thoughts in terms of your advice for aspiring founders. So I think the journey that you've had with Libre, how you've gone through that on your own, build a leadership team, created these different growth streams in which you're working, like what would be your best advice for aspiring founders who are building this type of large scale business in such a let's say, challenging industry as food or biotech, what would be your advice to them? I think that having very clear, again, cliche, sorry, but having having very clear your why, I think is super important. I think that for a long time, my why was, was the only thing that paid the bills and kind of put food on, like that's, there was a time where there was nothing really else there but the why. It was scarce and it was scrappy, but it was it was beautiful. But the thing is that the journey doesn't get necessarily easier, right? Like the problems is change, right? Like and it's always you always think about okay, well when I when I get to this stage, then things will get better, and when I get to this other stage, things will get better, and the problems just change. I don't know if if it's that things don't get easier or if you just get used to things. But I think that, you know, I mentioned the why because it's super important for you to have very clear why it is that you're doing what you're doing because things are going to get tough. I think that sharing a little bit about my journey, you can kind of see that I really wanted to make this work more than anything else. I love this industry more than anything else. Uh, I love what we're doing. I love our team. But it's true that these past couple of years, this past year specifically, has been one of the hardest, if not the hardest for our industry. And that's not just me, that's everybody else in our industry that recognizes it as well. And when things are that tough with an an already very tough food sector, it's very challenging to maintain that same fire and that same passion and that same commitment because the day-to-day is very draining. And I think that you see that people that might have come in out of opportunity or might have come in during the hype, when things get tough, you kind of see who's there for the right reasons and, and who's not. So I think entrepreneurship is one of the most rewarding journeys that, that anybody can have. At the same time, it's, I think it's one of the, the most tangible and high impact tools for change. Uh, I believe that wholeheartedly now as as a founder, but I think it's also going to be one of the most demanding things that one does with their time and with themselves. Choose wisely, but once you go in 100%, live it intensely and enjoy the ride. Incredible uh, golden nugget. Ellen, thank you very much for taking the time. It's great. A fantastic conversation. I think you guys have a bright path ahead. And again, kudos for all of those amazing milestones. And we will stay in touch. And of course, looking forward to see how Libre continues developing in the following year. And thank you, Ellen, for taking the time to be here today. Thank you, Sergio. Thank you, Ellen. And thanks to you for joining us today. Please remember to subscribe via your favorite podcast app to be notified about new episodes and share with us your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Thank you also to the Mexpreneurs team, Valeria Morel, Hector Barragan from Hypervoltage, Francisco Jaimes, Pamela Elizalde, Katia Cruz, Rocio Marroquín. I am Sergio Chavez. See you next time.